Mastermind Agent is proud to present the Interview of the Month Club. Top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Chad Goldwasser with Goldwasser Real Estate in Austin, Texas. In 2008, he posted his best year when he closed 543 transactions with a total sales volume of $123 million. His average sales price was $226,000. 55% were buyers and 45% were sellers. He operated a team with 40 members three closing managers, four listing managers, one marketing manager, one marketing manager assistant, one controller, seven listing specialists, 22 buyer specialists, and one team leader. Chad Goldwasser is the team leader of Goldwasser Real Estate. He has been an agent for 14 years. Chad works the suburbs of Austin, Texas, and specializes in geographic farming. In 2007 and 2008, He was ranked the number one agent worldwide for Keller Williams Realty. In his short career, Chad has personally sold over 1,000 homes and has teams over 5,000. Chad is a billion-dollar agent, one of the rare agents to have sold over $1 billion in real estate. Chad is known for running huge teams of people. In 2008, he led a team of 40 people. Chad shares how he built and managed such a huge and successful team. In late 2008, Chad went independent and started his own brokerage. He created a hybrid between a traditional brokerage and a large team. The broker provides centralized marketing and systems while the agent retains independence to either work the company business or generate their own. Either way, the client receives standardized marketing and service. Chad is a strong geographic farmer. He will describe how to take over and dominate almost any geographic area in eight weeks with a secret he learned at a NAR convention. Chad used the secret to quickly take over and gain a 30% market share in his farm. Chad is an advocate of building yourself from the inside out. He will describe how he reprogrammed his mind to go from a bartender to one of the biggest agents in the world. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Chad. Hey, thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Before we get into what you're doing now and what you've done over the last couple of years, let's go back for a moment and talk about what you were doing before you got into real estate. Before I got into real estate, I was uh, in the restaurant business and uh, I was working as a bartender and a server and a manager um, with a uh, company here in Austin called Trudy's. And uh, I was looking for, I, I thought that I was going to be successful. In the restaurant business, I thought that's where I would find success, that I was going to open restaurants and uh, be this restaurateur type of person. And uh, as I was working at Trudy's and started managing, um, I realized pretty quickly that 
Uh, it wasn't conducive to the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to live. I just uh, just didn't feel like it would uh, be the kind of thing that I would want to do with the rest of my life to be hanging out in a restaurant running these uh running uh, this type of operation. And so I was looking for a way out. And the first thing that I came into was a business called Amway. And I had no idea what it was, but I was introduced to it by uh, someone that uh, my ex-wife had uh, been working with. And so we got into that business and I worked my bottom off at it and it was never, uh, although it was never financially successful, uh, it introduced me to the world of personal growth and goal setting and a lot of great things that helped me when I made the decision to get into the real estate business. So that's kind of how I started. I, uh, I was, had just bought my first home and, um, thought that maybe I would start investing in real estate and in order to do that I figured I should be smarter about real estate so I decided to get my real estate license when I was 23 years old and start looking at investing in real estate and as I sat in the classes and was working towards getting my license I looked around at all the other people that were in this classroom and I thought to myself you know if these people are going to be out there selling real estate I think that I could probably do pretty good. I felt like I uh, was the same type of person, if not maybe a little more motivated, a little smarter than a lot of the people that were sitting in that classroom. So I decided that I would try my hand at uh, selling some real estate. Did you have a fast start in the real estate business or a slow start? Well, I was still working full-time at Trudy's uh, when I got started, and I was still bartending and managing, and uh, what happened was I went to a company called Prudential Owens Realty here in Austin. It's about a mile away from where I'm sitting right now, and uh, what happened was I went through their training program, and they basically said, you know, it was, a, it was about a two-week training program where they taught you how to contact expired listings and for sale by owners and and your sphere of influence. And so what I did was for three months, I called every single person I knew. I called anyone that I had worked with at Trudy's. I called my sphere of influence, which was very, very hard, um, just to make those calls and tell people, hey, you know, I'm in the real estate business. A lot of those people knew me as a bartender, knew me as a as a bar manager. And so um, they, it was hard for them to picture me actually helping them with one of their biggest investments that a person ever makes. So it was very tough. And uh, I actually uh, was calling for sale by owners and expired listings. And finally, after three months, uh, I had my first listing. And it was a mobile home. And it was about an hour and a half away. And the seller was a real pain in the bottom. So uh, fortunately, what happened was that I was also out educating myself. I think it's super important as an agent that you get out and you preview homes and you start learning the market really, really well. And I I was doing that. I was going out on property tours a lot, uh, which is where a bunch of agents get together and go out and look at different properties that are for sale. And uh, so I was out on property tour one day, and uh, this gentleman, uh, an agent, jumped into my car for a property tour. We were, I, he just said, you know, do you mind if I ride with you? And he got in the car, and for two hours, basically, he was on the phone 
making deals happen, uh, getting things done, and I was just like, I want to be that busy, you know? And uh, at the end of the uh, property tour, he got out of my car, came back up to my window, and he said, you know, uh, I'm looking for a buyer's agent. And, I, you know, I'm just fresh in the business. I, I have no idea what he's talking about. So I'm like, okay, well, good luck. And I had, I had no idea who this guy was. Well, it was about a month later, and I was in my office at Prudential Owens. I was getting ready for an open house that I was going to do. And I see this magazine called Broker Agent Magazine. And who's on the cover? It's this gentleman that I met, James Willoughby. So I opened up this magazine and I started reading about him and who he was and finding out that he's one of the top REMAX agents in the country and he's a uh, top agent in Austin. And uh, I, I, at that moment, realized uh, also, because I was listening to some Mike Ferry tapes about what he was talking about as uh, bringing on a buyer's agent. So I was going to call him that day. It was a Saturday afternoon. I remember it very vividly because I had to go to Trudy's to go to work that night. And I went into Trudy's, I went, and I was standing behind the bar, and no kidding, this is a totally true story, up walks James Willoughby to the bar, and he's like, hey man, how are you? And I said, "This, I, I can't believe this, I said, I was going to call you today, I just realized what you were talking about when we met. He said, great, let's meet this Thursday. Uh, we met that Thursday, and totally changed my life totally changed my life. Um, I ended up going to work for him, uh, and he put me on a, a, a book uh, called 30 Days to Success, and uh, it was a daily regimen of exactly what I needed to be doing to get my business moving in the right direction. So I, uh, he said to me, you know, I've, I've had uh, several buyer's agents, probably about 10 now, and I've given this book to all of them, and none of them finished it. And he said, and none of them are with me anymore. So I took that book and I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to do every single thing that it asked me to do in, in this book. And, and I'm, going to be, I'm going to be his top agent. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to see success in this business. So it started out with which, I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about mindset later and such, but it started out having me doing affirmations and visual, visualization and goal setting and um, what's called a quantum leap exercise and all of these different things, writing in a book, writing in a journal 25 times uh, every single day for 30 days, I will enjoy success through selling four homes per month. And it was what I didn't realize was this was all training my subconscious mind, and it was it was training my mindset and and uh, getting me to think success. And within within about after at the end of that 30 days, I had completed the book. I was super busy. I had my first closing a month later. That was July of 1998, and between July and the end of the year, I ended up selling 22 homes. The following year, as his buyer agent, I had an incredible year. Uh, I ended up selling 67 homes that first year as a buyer agent for him. And so the short answer to your question is <laughs> I had a slow start at the beginning, but then when I went and worked for James, it was like a rocket. It was 
uh, my career just took off, and uh, it was pretty awesome. And I'm very thankful to him still to this day, and I let him know it every time I see him. So, well, let's talk about your market. Where are you located? I am in Austin, Texas, and I'm very central. We're we're in the center of the state. It's the capital uh, of Texas, obviously, and uh, we have a huge university here in town. My particular business doesn't focus a lot on that uh, on the university uh, stuff. I work a lot out in the suburbs, um, having built that client base. You know, with 67 past clients, it was a huge um, 67. My first year and 22 the year prior, that gave me almost 100 past clients all over the city of Austin, and so I I was uh, for a lot of my career have worked all over the city of Austin, um, but now I give a lot of the leads that I create um, to a lot of my other agents that aren't in my particular area, um, my farm area. That's mainly where I work now is is in my own uh, farm area, which is where I live down in an area of town called Circle C. But our market right now, uh, currently there's approximately – um, 11,000 homes on the market, 11,049 actually as of today. The average price in all of Austin is 374000 Our average days on the market right now is about 108 for the active listings. There's been 11,000 sales, 11,180 sales to be specific in Austin. Uh, since the beginning of the year, the average sale price is 253103 and the average days on the market of the sold properties is 82. Um, we are a very technological town. We have a lot of great companies here like Dell, 3M, um, Texas Instruments, um, AMD, Samsung. A lot of great companies have relocated their headquarters and their businesses here to uh, because it's a great place to live, um, great weather, great quality of life, and uh, just very friendly to business. So. Um, that's a little bit about our market and, and what it looks like. What I'd like to do is go back for a moment and talk about some of your successes in the past. And most recently, in 2007 and 2008, tell me about that. When I started out, I was with Prudential. When I went to work with James, I moved over to Remax with him. And then I went on my own uh, with Remax. After after a year and a half with James, I had built my business to a point where I felt like I could go on my own and, and do fairly well. So I was with Remax for seven years, and at the end of seven years, I had 16 members, uh, three agents, including myself, and uh, three administrative people. And I met the president of Keller Williams at the time. Her name is Mary Tennant. She's an awesome, awesome lady. And she started recruiting me to come to Keller Williams. I wanted to continue to grow. My business was on a, a very high upward swing at the time, and I wanted to bring on six new buyer's agents. And in order to do that at the company I was at, I would have to pay before they ever produced anything. And uh, with Keller Williams, they told me that I would be able to move over there and I would not have to pay anything for my buyer's agents. So I moved over to Keller Williams, oh gosh, that was uh, seven years ago now. So I moved over there, I had six people, and I had hired a new coach, 
gentleman named Bob Corcoran, who is an amazing, amazing coach. And uh, at the time, I was at about $24 million in sales. And very quickly, uh, I grew uh, in three years. Um, we grew from uh, six people to 40 people. In our second, it was our second year at Keller Williams. Um, we had the number one sales team worldwide for for them in terms of units sold. I think that year we did like 500 and some sales, and um, that made us number one for them. So that was a pretty incredible time. Um, the next year we were number one again. That was the year of 2008. We were number one sales team for the entire year. And then that's when I left and launched my own brokerage in November of 2008 because we had grown to a point. I had 29 agents at the time and 11 people on our administrative staff. And in order to continue to grow and build my company to the point I wanted to build it to because I saw hundreds of agents around the country um, in terms of my vision for what what my um, sales team would eventually look like, not even hundreds, it was more like thousands of agents across the country utilizing our systems and our models. And so it just became evident to me that we, and to my, my leadership team, that we had to move on and start our own brokerage. And um, But it was pretty incredible um, getting to that level of success with the company, you know, after working behind a bar, and to, you know, and within... Eight years of getting in the real estate business, I had the number one sales team worldwide for a company of almost 80,000 agents. So it's pretty intense, pretty fun, and, and uh, like I said, pretty pretty incredible time. That's an amazing number of people. You had to be pretty ambitious. Let's talk about that team building. You have these 29 agents running around. Are they all buyer agents? Once you start getting to a level of success where you're creating so many leads that you can't handle them. The, the obvious first step is you want to hire a buyer agent because all the leverage is in the listings. The listings create leads. Uh, the listings give you the opportunity to you know, take a weekend off and not have to be driving buyers around and still be making sales. Um, so the obvious first step is to hire buyer's agents. So that's what I did. For a long time, I hired buyer's agents, and I got to then got to a, a specific level where I couldn't handle all of the listing leads that were coming in. What I did was I took and I hired two new agents and I trained them on our listing system, on my listing system. And then they started taking listings. They started getting successful. And and then I hired more buyer's agents because we had more listings and more leads were coming in. And so it got to a point where when I had 29 agents, 22 of those agents were buyer's agents, and then seven of them, including myself, were listing agents. And there was no crossover. If, if you were a buyer agent, you just worked with buyers. If you were a listing agent, you just worked with sellers. Absolutely. Some specialization and focus. Totally. And, you know, the, the listing side is, is a lot different. It's so different from the buyer side. And so, I mean, like I said, we had a very, I have a very specific system, a very specific way that I go about listing properties. And I wanted to make sure my best agents were were the, uh, on the listing side because the listings are so important. And yet, did I understand you correctly to say that when you first brought in your first listing agent, you said they were new agents? They were new agents. 
Why did you do it that way? One of them had actually been in the leasing business um, in Houston and had moved over here. The reason I brought in two uh, brand new agents was I wanted, I mean, I didn't want them to have any bad habits. I didn't want them to have any experience with other listing systems or other ways of doing business. I wanted them to learn my way and I wanted to learn it I wanted them to learn it very very thoroughly so that they could be successful and that they would be out there just basically as clones I guess <laughs> uh for lack of a better term clones of myself um doing the listing interviews so I spent tons of time with them I mean I would have them in my office every morning for the first month that they were there uh from 8 a.m. until noon, just practicing scripts, talking about the systems, going through market analysis, just teaching and training them all of the information that they needed to become successful. So I guess that's why I, I brought on new agents. And then eventually after that, what I started doing was I would take my top buyer's agents and then I would train them in the listing systems. How did you compensate these people? Were you paying them a salary or commission? Commission. Everything was commission. I've never done salaries for any of my agents. Did you pay your listing agents a higher or lower or the same percentage that you paid buyer agents? The listings got paid a lot less than the buyer's agents. We started out, uh, when we first started bringing on listing agents, they got paid 25% of the commissions uh, because we were, we were handing them the leads and uh, we were handling all of the marketing costs. We were handling all the transaction management. Their job basically was to go out and sign up the listing, and then my listing team would come in and handle all of the marketing of the property. So um, they got paid much less than what the buyer's agents got paid. Buyer's agents actually, way back when, got paid 40% on their first deals of the month, 45% on their second and third, and then 50% on anything after that. Your listing agents, you said their only responsibility was to get the listing signed up. Did they have to negotiate the contracts or offers that came in after that, or they just went out every day and signed up people? No, they did They did do the negotiating as well. So um, their job was listing the properties, negotiating uh, and then open houses on their listings. If they couldn't get a buyer's agent to handle the open house, then they would have to handle the open house themselves. Would the listing agent negotiate the inspection as well? Yes. And would the listing agent attend the closing? Absolutely. And then your administrative team was in the background helping them with the paperwork and tracking all the dates? Yep, helping them with all the paperwork. And they would actually help as well with the negotiation of amendments. Um, so they would help prepare them and their listing team, their transaction management team, would help them with the negotiations a little bit. If it was a simple negotiation, then the transaction management team would help and uh, handle a lot of that as well. How about the buyer agents? What was their responsibility? Buyer's agents had a lot more that they would be responsible for. Uh, they still had the transaction management team handling a lot of the things that would be done to get them to closing. But, you know, they were doing open houses, showing homes, negotiating contracts, um, negotiating amendments, setting up inspections, things of that nature, um, helping with the loan uh, and, and such. But, again, a lot of that stuff also was handled by the transaction, transaction management team. 
they would handle a lot of that for the for the buyer's agents as well. Why would these people, these buyer agents and listing agents, agree to do all that work for a reduced percent? Because they were getting tons of leads. I mean, um, I just was, uh, you know, we were a lead generation machine. I've always looked at myself as a lead generation machine. I'm just like, I, I create leads. I make it rain. I bring, I bring in the leads constantly. And so they, you know, I mean, a good, you know, a good listing agent could make $100,000 uh, in their first or second year if they were, if they really hustled and listened. And, and um, so that was acceptable to them. Let's talk about your administrative side. You have 11 people running around. What were they doing? We had four listing managers. They would help with uh, all of the listings and all of the marketing on the listings, making sure signs got out, making sure that flyers got done, that they got entered into the multiple listing service, that they uh, got set up on the open house schedule, that they were entered into Realtor.com correctly, that they were on Austin Home Search correctly, that they were on all the different websites that we post our listings to. They were in constant contact with the client as well. They were giving them weekly market update reports, doing all kinds of things of that nature. Then we had three other administrative people that were working on the closing side, closing managers. They were in charge of making sure that appraisals were getting done, inspections were getting set up, um, that amendments were being negotiated, that loans were being finalized, just everything that has to do with the closings. We then had a, a courier as well. The courier's job was to run around, put signs in yards, pick up signs, um, make sure lock boxes were taken off or put on properties, um, delivering flyers for agents, um, putting up open house signs and, and all the things of that nature. We then had a marketing manager, basically, that was in charge of all the marketing. And then she had an assistant that was helping with all the design and, um, and production. Uh, and then we had a controller that was in charge of the money and making sure that everyone was getting paid. And um, so that's pretty much the makeup of the team. And then eventually we brought on what we call inside sales or client services department that, you know, when we first, when I first started, I handled all the incoming leads. All the incoming calls would come to one number. I handled all of them. But then as we got busier and busier, I then handed that off to the buyer's agents. And then we rotated it between buyer's agents. And eventually we got to a point where everyone was so busy that, you know, nobody was really, really working those leads as hard as they could. So then I created this inside sales department where basically their sole job was to take all of the incoming leads and focus on converting as many of those leads into buyers and sellers as possible and then handing them out to the agents. And you took that role initially. And you tried to train your buyer agents and listing agents in that role, but they were overloaded or distracted. And so you took took on a new group to focus inside sales agents. Absolutely. Were those people licensed? Yes. Eventually, we had just licensed people in those positions. We wanted them to be able to give all the information out. And in order to do that, they had to be licensed. How did you compensate your inside sales agents? They got paid a small salary and then they got bonuses 
based on conversions, based on appointments, and based on closings. So they would get a small salary, uh, and then if they converted a lead into an appointment, they would get an appointment bonus. If that appointment turned into a sale, they would get a closing bonus. Okay, and were those fixed dollar amounts or percentages? Fixed dollar amounts for appointments. I believe it was $50 per appointment, and then uh, a percentage of the closing. And the other admin people, uh, how are you compensating them? Salaries. Salaries and bonuses. And the courier, was he hourly or sourly? Hourly. And then the marketing manager and assistant, I assume, was salary? Yep. And the controller was probably salary? Yep. A lot of overhead. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing is, um, you know, in Gary Keller's book, The Millionaire Agent, that's the model that I was was building my business after I holed myself up in my office um, when I moved to Keller Williams and just read that book and basically put together a vision for what I saw my team looking like and uh, how I was going to build it. And I read that if I got to $2.4 million in GCI and I built my company a specific way that I would net a million dollars. And so I started focusing on, on that model and um, the overhead was amazing, you know. It got to a point where, you know, office space and marketing and, uh, you know, signs and lock boxes And, I mean, we were spending a good amount every single month. Would you mind disclosing if your operation was profitable? For a good portion of that time, it was decently profitable, but not as profitable as you would expect. I mean, uh, when I got to $2.4 million in GCI, I think I, I netted maybe about mm, 700000 or so, which is pr- pretty dang good. But um, I was told it would be a million, and, um, and that's not the case because there was so much overhead. When you've got it up to the pinnacle, you have 40 people running around. If, somebody, if somebody's listening and they want to create a large team like that, could you tell them a, a percentage, of, a net margin percentage that they should be expecting? You said it's not quite what you expect. What was it? Do you remember? I don't have that number currently. I'm sorry. Um, but, I mean, I, I think what I found out in growing my company to that level and growing my um, my sales team to that level was that, you know, I'll tell you, my probably my most profitable year I ever had was that year I sold 67 homes as a buyer agent for another top agent. I mean, that was, uh, you know, I had no overhead. I didn't have to worry. I took home, you know, everything that I made. I think, you know, the ideal ideal team size is, you know, yourself, maybe one or two assistants, and maybe four or five buyer's agents. It's not the most leverage, but um, I think as you grow and you get bigger and you create this big, massive machine, I think what I learned is that, you know, it's it's there's it, it, there's not a ton of money in it. You know, I mean, you're still having to produce. I was throughout the entire time, um, and even still today, um, I'm still the top producing agent on my team. You know, and I still work. Um, probably more than 99% of the other agents that are with our company, you know. Just to try to wrap up a couple of ideas in that large team, you mentioned office space. How much space did you need? At our 
pinnacle, as you were saying. I had bought a uh, building uh, over in a part of town called Westlake, and we had, uh, in that building, we had close to 7,000 square feet. Your buyer agents and your listing agents, did you have a quota system? Did they have to perform a certain number of transactions per month or per year? Yes. Our goal for our agents was two transactions per month. And if they did not, uh, and that was based on a rolling average, and if they did not produce at that level, then we put them on uh, a what we call the PIP, a personal improvement plan. And um, they got to be on that for 30 days. And if we didn't see improvement in them after that 30 days, uh, then they had to uh, go find success at some other place. You mentioned that you were the rainmaker. You were generating business. Could you recall your top three ways that you were generating business to support 40 people? You know, ever since the beginning of my business, I've always looked at my different lead generation what I call spokes in my lead generation wheel. And as we grew, you know, in the beginning, it was my sphere of influence. It was open houses, and it was um, it was the Internet way back when. We used a system called HomeGain. Those were my three top sources of business. And as we grew and we created more income, then we started farming, and farming became... Uh, farming still, and and at that time we're talking about, was my number one source of leads. I also got into radio advertising. Uh, we started working with a company called Radio and Television Experts, and we were on radio. I was on radio five days a week. We did a spot called the Austin House Report. It ran at the same time every single day on a station that was is very popular here in Austin. And um, that was a huge source, not only of uh, branding, but also of driving leads to us. Uh, and then the other big source was television. We got into television as well, started doing television advertising. And that was pretty huge for us as well. But they were both extremely expensive. I was spending $10,000 a month on television and $4,000 a month on radio. So it's not something you can get into really cheaply. Some markets you can, um, but those were huge sources of leads. It sounds to me, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you got up there at this pinnacle, the 40 people running around, lots of volume, and you had an epiphany and you, you decided to grow your business, but also change your business and restructure things. Could you tell me why you went to an independent brokerage and what was your objective there? I was getting a a lot of time with Gary Keller. He was helping me to grow my business. Um, I mean, just awesome, awesome businessman. But we got to this point where I I had 29 agents, and we were such, uh, we were creating so many deals that administratively for Keller Williams, it became really hard for them to, to just, I was still only under one what's called a cap. So I was paying Keller Williams $18,000 a year, and I had 29 agents on my team. And so around the country, we were, we were one of the only places in the country, the original Keller Williams office, that uh, did not have a cap for buyer's agents. Buyer agents around the country usually have a half cap or a quarter cap 
which is $9,000 or $4,500. And the Keller Williams that I was at did not have that, only one in the country. So I was very fortunate to have this huge group of people that I was able to to build up and um, only have to pay one cap. Well, they changed that. And so they basically went and said, okay, you have your 29 agents. They're all grandfathered in. You're not going to have to pay any caps on any of those. But anyone else you hire from this day forward, there will be a half cap on any buyer or listing agents. $9,000 a year, basically, um, out of their production that I would have to pay. And so I stepped back and looked at it and said, okay, well, if I'm going to grow to, if I'm going to bring on 100 new agents within the next three years or whatever, that's $900,000 a year that I would be paying to Keller Williams for those agents. And it just did not seem, it just it just became evident it was time to go out on our own. And I, I saw this, um, this, I guess, army of incredibly high-level, amazing agents, um, and I just, got to a point where I wanted to to build this, you know, this really amazing company with agents that were dedicated to taking incredible care of their clients. They were dedicated to being the most professional agents in the industry, dedicated to knowing the market better than anybody, and they were just the top, top, top of the level agents. And so with Keller Williams, I just felt like it was it was time for me to move on and start start growing my own company and building my brand even bigger than I had already built it. Your objective was to take on 100 new agents. Did you achieve that? We left Keller Williams and we grew to almost 70 agents within the first year. Uh, we went from 29 agents to 70 agents, uh, and then the, that was 2000. 2009 and then at the end of 2009 uh, we had a situation we were growing so fast and and um, things were building and we had such momentum and we everyone was so busy that someone that was supposed to be watching the money um, which should have been me, but my job was to be the leader, the motivator, the inspiration, um, and the salesperson. And I had a CFO that was at that time then in charge of the money and such. Uh, and that we had a controller that was handling all the money. Well, she'd been deciding that it was okay for her to take that money and use it for her own personal use. So we um, had, she embezzled almost $500,000 from me over the course of a uh, three-year period. And that caused some challenges with um, one of my top agents at the time put a bunch of money into her 401k at the end of the year. And um, we weren't able to match that um, because of the situation that we discovered and that we were in. And so she got very angry about that. She ended up leaving and uh, going to a different company where they were paying a much higher split. And within probably six months in the year of 2009, 
Um, I lost probably half of my agents, many of them to that company, many of them to other companies. Uh, it was the beginning of a very challenging 18-month period, basically. Um, and um, so, no, we didn't get to my objective of 100 new agents. Um, it, uh, it, it got, got, got a little sidetracked, took a little wind out of our sails. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Were you able to recover any of the money? Nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. And uh, on top of that, um, in that same time frame, um, my ex-wife, who was the chief operating officer of our company, um, she and I, uh, which I met her when I was 11 years old, we'd been married for almost 13 years, married for a little over 13 years. We separated and uh, ended up going through the process of divorce um, in that same period uh, over the course of the past 18 months. And um, that was a huge challenge as well. Yeah, so it's been uh, it's been wild trying to keep um, keep things moving and, uh, you know, going through that and dealing with the other situation um it's been it's been quite a quite a quite an interesting experience over the course of the past 18 months and not only that in the same time frame the market shifted and so a lot of our agents that were producing i mean couldn't produce anymore and just got out of the business have you put a system in place to prevent financial loss in the future absolutely what type of system did you put in place to avoid that problem? Well, the problem was um, that the controller, um, the woman that stole all the money from us, um, she had so much control. Um, they're just, it was ridiculous. I mean, and it was, again, it was it was my fault, but I had someone else that was watching that money that uh, I thought was, you know, taking good care of it and that had their eyes on it. And I didn't trust this person that was our controller. And I kept telling, you know, my ex-wife and my um, my CFO that I wanted her out. And they said they were making a plan to have that happen. And um, it just never happened. So um, Anyway, what we what we do now is um, I have an outside uh, auditor, basically C, um, CPA that comes in. He comes in once a week. He helps us to, um, you know, make sure our P and Ls are up to date. He monitors a lot of the um, inflow and outflow, and then I have a inside person that controls um, all the money that's coming in. Um, but nobody signs checks anymore except for me or. Um, my CEO now of our company, Greg Cooper, um, nobody signs checks. So, yeah, we've we've definitely put systems in place where that will never happen again. And it just it kills me that it happened. 
in that time because, I mean, it hurt us bad. Describe your company today. For the past year and a half, we've been really focused on recruiting and bringing on agents. And um, right now we've got about 40 agents. Um, I have uh, a listing manager, a closing manager, and they have an assistant, a sales assistant. We have a courier. We have a um, basically a receptionist or front front office person that handles a lot of the office management. We have our controller. We have our outside auditor that comes in. Um, we have our uh, chief operating officer, which is my ex-wife. She still works here. And then um, we have a CEO, Greg Cooper, who uh, helps me to run the company, um, but is also in production as well. Um, and then I'm doing a lot of the production um, still to this day. So, um, And we've got, like I said, about 40 agents right now. And we're heavily focused on recruiting. What's your objective on recruiting? How many agents do you want to take on? Our goal is to bring on 30 new agents before the end of the year. So we have systems in place and things that we're doing to market to the agent community. We still have a very um, big name in Austin. I mean, I've been the top agent in the city of Austin for the past um, probably six years. So we still have a very good name. We've got great systems, and uh, we are marketing and prospecting and doing everything we can to find the best agents and bring them on to help us to grow and uh, move to the next level, which for me, you know, if I look at the company five years from now, we're going to have three offices in Austin. Uh, we will have an office in San Antonio, an office in Houston, an office in Dallas, and we'll continue to expand regionally. The structure of your business, has it changed? Do you still run everything as a team and you're generating all the leads or are the agents that you're bringing on more independent agents generating their own business? Now, the way that we work is we still put a ton of energy and effort into lead generation, but we are bringing on more independent agents that create their own business and that, that generate their own deals and uh, market themselves. So, yeah, a lot of that now is more of, more of an independent agent model. You know, once we, I have a team that, you know, where I'll hand my buyer leads and some of my listing leads to, um, I have about three agents that, that I really focus on helping give them those leads to. And then the leads from the company go out uh, to all the different agents within our company, and then they just pay a portion of that back to us if it's a company lead. Is it a percentage that they pay back or a fixed dollar amount? 20%. Listings are paid at 60 and 70%. Buyer deals are paid at 75 and 85% because we still handle a lot of the costs that are associated with the listings, so they're a lot more expensive for us. And if it's a team lead, 20% is paid back to the company for that team lead. And the tier is that basically if you're uh, up to $5 million in sales per year is the cutoff of where you go from, from 60 to 70% on listings and from 75 to 85% on buyers. So once they produce, they produce that $5 million level, then they move up. What kind of lead generation are you doing today? You've mentioned 
farming. Let's talk about your farming efforts. How do you determine where you're going to farm? If someone's going to start a new farm, we try to look at areas that have a lot of sales. Like I'm not going to go farm a neighborhood where there's 10 sales a year. Uh, I want a neighborhood where there's, you know, 1,000 to 5,000 homes, um, a subdivision where there's 1,000 to 5,000 homes. Um, I want to make sure that there's, you know, at least 100 to 300 sales in that neighborhood because basically you can only capture a certain amount of business. Um, so if there's 10 sales in a neighborhood and I can capture 20 to 30% of that business, I'm only getting two or three sales out of it. So the cost versus reward is not there. If there's 100 and I can capture 20%, that's 20 sales, it's worth it. So I look for neighborhoods with a lot of turnover, with a lot of sales, and with a lot of homes that I can market to. Um, how I started my particular farm, which is an area called Circle C, it's an area of 4,500 homes, but I had gone to uh, the NAR convention in 2002, the National Association of Realtors convention in New Orleans in 2002, and I was sitting in a uh, a training, and they were talking about farming, and they said, you know, people say farms take a long time to get up and running. They said we did a study, and what we did is we went into a specific neighborhood, and we surveyed that neighborhood, and we asked them, you know, who is the top agent in the neighborhood, and we got all these different responses back. And so what we did was we went and we created this fictitious agent, and eight times over the course of eight weeks, we hit those people with a postcard mailer that basically said, hey, this is Joe Schmo agent, and um, I'm one of the top agents in the area, and hit them eight times over eight weeks. And then they went back in, and then they did this survey, and they said, you know, how who's the top agent in the area? And of course it was Joe Schmo. Basically 90% of the people said Joe, you know, the fictitious agent. So what we did is we came back. I was, I was living in an area of Circle C that had about 400 homes in it at the time. And we just wanted to start out kind of small, test it. So we just started out in our particular area of Circle C. We did a, a mailing campaign where we hit the people in the neighborhood eight times over eight weeks, but we didn't stop there. After the sixth week, I started calling into the neighborhood. It was at the time where, you know, there was a, it wasn't a no-call, you know, there was no no-call list. Um, so I started calling every single home in the neighborhood and trying to talk to as many of those people as, as I could and so I I probably talked about 75% of the people that lived in the area. And then after that, I went and knocked on doors and introduced myself and dropped off a item of value, which was basically a, a magnet that talked about where kids could eat free because it's a real family-friendly neighborhood. So I I went and I knocked on doors in the entire neighborhood, and I got my first listing at the end of that campaign um, like right at the end of the campaign, got my first listing, and I uh, made sure that I marketed it really hard. And uh, I mean, I sold it. It was uh, it was November of 2002 when I got the first listing, and it was right, I put it on the market. I remember the night, the day before Thanksgiving, and it sold that day. So. 
I was super excited about that. But um, what I did was I I asked them if I could still hold an open house that weekend because I wanted to, you know, get get the buzz out there. And I um, I did the open house. I had a ton of people through my open house. I put out a ton of Goldwasser signs because we had we were branding ourselves, you know, starting to brand ourselves. Put out a ton of signs. Had a ton of people through. Um, made some great connections, got my second listing within about uh, two weeks of that one, and um, just started dominating that neighborhood. I ended up taking about 30% of the listings over the course of the next year in that neighborhood. And then I expanded it, and Circle C is a total of 4,500 homes. So what happened was after that first year, I expanded it to all of the homes in Circle C, and I hit the other 4,100 homes that I hadn't hit. I did the same thing. I hit them eight times over eight weeks. And then the no-call rule was in, so I couldn't really call, I didn't feel. So I went and started knocking on doors, and for, oh, approximately three months, every Tuesday and Wednesday, I would spend three hours out knocking on doors in the blazing heat of the summer um, trying to get my name out there. And it worked, and I've been um, I've been marketing in that neighborhood. I Then I got a billboard in the neighborhood. Then I got a second billboard in the neighborhood. Um, I started a partners in education program where a portion of every commission that I earn goes to the schools that are in the neighborhood. Um, I started advertising in the newsletter. I started going to the homeowners associations meetings. I started building my network within the community, and just doing all of these different things that just, you know, made me the number one name in the neighborhood. Nine years, eight years ago, that I started uh, marketing to the neighborhood, and so now it's a huge part of my business. I basically don't work anywhere else except for Circle C at this point. What kind of market share do you have in that neighborhood? About 30%. And there's approximately two, 280 to 320 sales per year. That is all I really need to, to reach the levels of success that I want to reach right now in my business. What's the average price in that neighborhood? Average price is uh, 330000 and right now there's about uh, 59 homes on the market, which is way down. But it's a, it's a good price point to work. What do you do today to keep in front of your farm? Are you mailing things out? Are you still door knocking? I haven't been door knocking. I'm still doing mail outs. I still advertise in the newsletter. I still sponsor a lot of the events that go on in the neighborhood. How often do you mail out? We do a mail out every month to the neighborhood. Is it a postcard, a letter? Are you putting things inside of envelopes? What are you sending out? Usually it's a postcard, and it'll advertise uh, our listings, what we've sold, um, what's currently active in our inventory. And, and then once in a while we'll do something different. We'll advertise our partners in education program, different, different things like that. We'll try and mix it up a little bit. The thing about it is it's just got to be consistent, you know. They just got to keep seeing your name over and over again. And now they see so many of my signs, and plus then we do open houses in the neighborhood every single weekend, and we put out Goldwasser real estate signs so people think they see us all over the place. 
Do you use directional arrows? Yep. So a lot of signage. If you were to do an open house, how many signs do you think you'd put out? Fifteen. Our system that we teach our agents is 15 signs per open house. Do you put out directional arrows for your cell signs as well? We don't. Is that prohibited in the neighborhood? No, it's not. It just, they always get stolen. <laughs> and, and people don't really, they don't really, they frown upon it. Is there anything else about farming that we should talk about that you think people should know? I think it's really important for people to know about farming. You can't just mail something out. You can't just do something um, one time. Um, you know, it has to be consistent. If you're going to do it, then, you know, follow that system. Do eight eight times over eight weeks. Um, mail something out. And then don't just let it stop there. You know, look at advertising in the newsletter. Look at making some phone calls. Get out, knock on some doors. And now what I'm doing is, um, every time I sell a property, basically what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll start calling around that listing, and I will just use a specific script. It's just, hey, this is Chad Goldwasser with Goldwasser Real Estate, and I was just giving you a call because I work in Circle C a lot, and uh, I just had a property that I sold. Uh, it had multiple offers on it, or it sold within eight hours of going on the market because a lot of my listings do, or it sold before it ever hit the multiple listing service. And usually when that happens, I'll find two to three more homes will pop up on the market. And so I was just giving you a call today to see when you plan on moving. That's it. That's the script. And so I'll make those calls for, you know, yesterday I spent two hours on the phones making those calls. I was able to make uh, over 100 calls through my Mojo dialing system and uh, made about 25 contacts, got one good solid lead out of it. The important thing about farming is that it's not just mailing something out. You've got you've to be more active than that. What do you do if you get an answer machine? Do you leave a message or do you just hang up and go on to the next one? Hang up and go on to the next one and uh, just recall that number at a later time. You mentioned a mojo dialing system. What is that? It's a system that dials. It dials three numbers at a time. It's three lines, dials three numbers at a time. And then when someone picks up the others, you know, if someone else picks up after that, then it will have a message. And basically the message just says, uh, it just says, um, hello, hello. Hello, I must have a I must have a bad connection. Let me call you back. And um, and then as soon as you're done with your conversation with the person you're on the line with, it'll dial that person back. So um, it's a recording, and it's uh, it's an awesome system. Anybody that's that's prospecting a lot needs to have a Mojo dialing system or some sort of dialer. Is that a system that you have on your computer? Is that an online system? It is on my computer, yeah. How do you make sure that you're not going afoul of the telemarketing laws? This list is scrubbed. We get it through a company called Lead Store, which is through Red X. They scrub all the numbers and see if they're on the no-call list. I rarely ever get pushback on those calls, ever. I don't have anyone saying, you know what, don't call. I mean, once in a while I have someone say, take me off your list or don't call me or why are you calling me or, you know, of course you get those people. But usually I get a pretty good reception. That's because, you know, the 
I'm giving them information about the market. People know my name in the neighborhood. Um, and when I'm calling them, I'm giving them a lot of positive energy, you know, just from the way that I'm speaking to them. And it's a quick call. And it's a quick call. It sounds like you're doing a lot of phone prospecting. Are you making other types of calls, not just into your farm? Not just into my farm. I'm doing expired calls as well as to my sphere of influence and past clients. Do you have a goal of how many calls you're trying to make per day or per week? Yes, my goal is four days a week for prospecting, two hours per day. Eight hours a week? Yep. And if you were to call for four days in the week and two hours a day, eight hours total, how many calls would you be able to make? How many leads would you generate? What kind of business should you expect out of that effort? In a two-hour block, I can make between 100 and 150 calls. Um, usually I'll get about um, anywhere from 30 to 50 contacts. Um, usually generates me about three to five leads per session. Um, some days are better than others. Chad, let's talk about your system. Once you generate these leads, how are you following up with them? I assume you're tracking them somehow. Do they go into some type of database? They go into a database. We use a system called Agent Achieve. So they're entered into that system, and there's a follow-up plan that we utilize. Um, I also utilize uh, seller information and buyer information sheets, which are basically lead sheets. And I'll take down all the information that I can about those people on the lead sheets. And once I've taken down that information on those lead sheets, I put them in a binder, and I go through that binder pretty much every day and look at who I need to call, who's in process, who's listed, and just make sure that I'm making all those follow-up calls, those lead follow-up calls. That's the key. I mean, you can create leads all day long, but if you don't know how to follow up with them, they're worthless. You're using a manual system. Do you somehow indicate to yourself if they're hot or cold? Do you have a quality system? Yep, there's an A, B, and C lead system basically where an A is anyone that's going to list or buy within 30 days. A B is anything from 30 to 90 days out and uh, C lead is anything 90 days or more out. Do you put them in your book in that order A, B, and C? How do you organize your binder? I don't organize it in that manner. I just put all of my leads in there and I just go through them every single day. Just literally going through every lead just real quickly and either calling that lead or making note of where I'm at with that lead. And you keep all your notes on that lead in there in that binder. You write them down with a pen. Exactly. You have a daily process that you review and call. Do you have hours set aside during the day that you're going to do that? Hours set aside for lead follow-up? Absolutely. How much time do you set aside each day for that? Uh, usually an hour. Do you try to do that in the morning or the afternoon? In the morning. Usually it's one of the first things that I'll do. Once a lead becomes more than a lead and they're ready to move forward, you're setting the listing appointment. Yes. Do you schedule it for a certain amount of time? Usually my listing appointments take an hour to an hour and a half. And are you doing a one-step or a two-step? Are you trying to list the property when you go out there or are you going to plan on going back? I'm usually going to list the property when I go out. I have a very specific system that I utilize to list properties and so... My goal is 
when I go through that interview, when I create that seller information sheet, there's going to be a lot of information that I'm going to get from them. And uh, I'm going to go through that and make sure that I have, you know, I know, are they ready to list today? Um, one of the questions that we ask, are you ready to list your home immediately? And if not, when? So I'll have a pretty good idea if they're going to be ready to go once I go out there. What other types of questions do you want to ask before you go out? Well, I have a whole lead sheet, but basically I'll ask, obviously, address information, phone numbers, names, if they're the only person on the title to the property, why are they selling, uh, where are they planning to move to, if they need an agent there, um, are they ready to list the home immediately, if no, when will they be ready, how long have they owned the home, how much did they pay for it, all of the information about the property, including bedrooms, baths, living areas, type of garage, square footage, the builder, the special features of the home. I ask them what sold them on the home, which is good because the same thing that sold them on the home will sell someone else on the home, most likely. I ask them to describe the location within their subdivision. Are they on a cul-de-sac? Do they back to a green belt? Are they on a busy road? Do they back to a busy road? Um, if they've done any updating to the home since they bought it, I ask them what homes like theirs have been selling for in their neighborhood. If they just trying to get a gauge of if they're watching the market, you know, I ask them what what is an acceptable selling price for them, what they owe on the property, have they ever sold a home before, how they heard about us, and what are the top three things that they'll be looking for from me as their agent, and then. The last question I ask is, have they or are they going to talk with any other agents? If they answer affirmative that they're going to talk to other agents, do you try to be the first agent or the last? It doesn't matter a whole lot to me. I would rather be last uh, rather than first because then I, you know, as long as everything goes well, I know that they're that I can get the listing at that point. Do you ask for the specific names of the agents that you're going to use some kind of comparison when you go in? Absolutely. And probably about 75% of the people will respond and give me the names of the agents that they're interviewing. Do you send a pre-listing package before you go on your listing presentation? I do. I send out an email version of it, and uh, my goal with everyone is to get into their hands a hard copy of that home seller's guide and that pre-listing appointment guide in their hands and I let them know that it's very important that they go through that and read that prior to me meeting with them because I think it's it just it shows our professionalism plus it makes the um, it makes the appointment go that much better usually once they look at that they get very sold on our system that initial phone conversation you're asking a lot of questions how long does that typically take anywhere from probably 10 to 20 minutes. Now you said your listing presentation, you have a specific system or process. Would you mind disclosing what you're trying to do in that system? When I was training one of my buyer's agents to become a listing agent, uh, we went on an appointment together and we walked up to the front door. I was going to let her do the entire appointment. She knocked on the door, the door opened, we walked in and shook hands with the sellers, and I was expecting her to take the lead, and all of a sudden there was some very awkward uh, little silence time, and I realized that I hadn't taught her how to take control 
and really go through the listing process and an appointment. And so um, I created a a entire step by step process of how to take the listing, and it starts when they call in to um, to the office, and you take that lead, and you take all the notes and the information on the lead. Uh, and then you set up time to prepare for the appointment, prepare your market analysis, and prepare your binder. Um, and then you uh, go out and you preview properties for that listing appointment so you know what all the competition looks like. You look at probably um, the goal is anywhere from 8 to 10 other active listings that are in that specific neighborhood if there are that many. And then you uh, go to the appointment um, you sit in your car prior to the appointment. You review your lead sheet to find, remember what the top three things that they are looking for from you as their agent are going to be so that you can hit on those things a lot when you're doing your tour of the home. You say to yourself three times, I'm the best at what I do, I'm the best at what I do, I'm the best at what I do. You uh, say, I will walk out of here with a signed listing agreement. You get out of your car. You walk up to the home, you find uh, something to compliment them about, on about the home. When you enter, um, you go in, you shake their hand, you then say, I'm going to set my information at the kitchen table, that's where we'll meet. Um, the goal is to get them saying yes to you. Um, that's a Brian Tracy deal. He says you should get your clients saying yes to you five times within the first five minutes of meeting them by asking them questions that demand a yes. That's called a tie-down. That's something I learned from Tom Hopkins. You set your stuff at the kitchen table. You take a tour of the home. You lead that tour. You're selling them on their own property as you go throughout the property. You get done with the tour. You come back to the kitchen table. You sit down. You ask them to get you a glass of water, again, establishing your control of the situation. And then you you get them sitting down and you say, I'm going to go through uh, three things with you today. Basically, I'm going to go back over the information we talked about on the phone, make sure that we're all on the same page. Then I'm going to go through our marketing system and how we're going to get your home sold. And then we're going to talk about the market and the pricing because that's obviously very important. And then we go through those three things. And uh, at the end of that, we come to agreement on pricing and we sign up the listing. So you have a very formal, structured, standard, canned listing presentation. Absolutely. It's called the Goldwasser Advantage Listing System. Um, everyone that works for my company uses the same system um, when they list a property. Um, they get a listing binder, a full presentation binder. Um, they get what we call a... Um, it's called a blade. It basically looks like a placemat, but it's got our entire system and the way that we work um, on that. The entire system is designed to give our clients an advantage over all the other homes that are listed on the market and get them the best price for their property. In order to have that standardized across your entire company, you must have standardized your marketing, the marketing of the property? Absolutely. Every home that we list is marketed the exact same way. So the company is paying for that marketing so that the agents don't dispute what will and won't happen? Correct. And the agents are charged a $250 marketing fee for each listing that they take. As long as the listing sells, they get that money back. If the listing does not sell, uh, 
then they don't get that money back. Does the agent have to pay that fee up front? Yes, once they take the listing. And then refund it at the closing? Correct. How many listings do you currently have? We right now have probably 110 listings. That's total team, total company. Um, myself right now, uh, I believe I have 12. Over your career, how many listings do you think you've taken? Probably well over, well over 500. Total homes sold in my career is probably close to 1,000 at this point. And that's you personally? Yeah. The total that you think your teams have sold in that time frame? Probably close to 5,000 homes. Do you practice buyer agency or buyer brokerage in Texas? Yes. Do you require that buyers sign a buyer agency before you'll take them out to show them homes? Absolutely. And are buyers required to sit down with you in an appointment uh, prior to going out and looking at homes? That is the goal with every single buyer is to do a buyer presentation. We have a home buyer's guide that we go through with them to explain the process. Even if they bought a home before, we want them to know the way we work. How long is that initial meeting? 30 minutes. The result of that meeting is they understand what the process is and you have assigned buyer agency. Exactly. Do you show property right after that meeting or is that scheduled for another time? Usually the goal is to show them that day, do the meeting, and then show them properties. Do buyers ever object to signing your buyer agency? Absolutely. And what do you do in those situations? Usually what we'll do is we'll let them know that we'll take them out and show them properties uh, that day, but that as long as everything goes well, that we're going to ask them to sign that document again. You are doing a lot. You're juggling a lot of balls in the air. How do you keep control of your time? A very disciplined, focused schedule. I make sure that I'm following my, uh, my schedule every day. I have it in my uh, Agent Achieve system, which is a top producer type of system. I just do everything I can to have all of my appointments, everything scheduled in there, and I follow it. I look at it every night. How many hours do you think you work in a typical week? Right now, probably 50 to 60 hours. Do you have a business plan? Absolutely. How often do you refer to that business plan? Every single day. Do you do that in the morning? Do you do that in the evening? In the morning. It's part of my morning ritual is going through that business plan, staring at it, staring at my goals, going through uh, my affirmations, my why, you know, really working on my mindset to get myself ready for the day and to remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. What drives you? Giving back to others, making a positive impact on the lives of everyone I touch the initial thought that I have in the morning every single day. It's my wake-up thought that I utilize is that uh, it's an awesome day and I will positively impact the lives of everyone I touch. I love motivating and leading and making a positive impact on people. I love when they feel like they've gotten something from me that will change their life. You know, obviously I'm motivated by money as well and my kids. I want to give them the best life possible. Chad, you've done some extraordinary things in the real estate business in a very short period of time. Why are you successful? Because I have a massively positive attitude. 
I learned very early on that I needed to train my mind to um, to really build my subconscious belief in myself and in my transactions, um, bring that positive energy to every single one of my transactions. I am the, you know, the a lot of times other agents will, will bring a bit of negativity. I am the positive light for my clients, for the other agents, for the other clients. Um, my goal is to get everyone focused on what's good about a transaction so that we can get it closed. I think that's a huge reason for my success. Also, the fact that early on I learned visualization, I learned goal setting, I learned you know, that I needed to stretch myself to think big and really push myself to do great things, and I've done that. If you were to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Learn the market. Study and learn the market and get on the phones. Just getting out and previewing as many properties as you can, um, and then also doing open houses. I think those are uh, open houses. I still do open houses to this day. Um, they've been a huge source of business for me. And I have a very specific system for doing those open houses. Like I said, it's 15 signs. It's putting up a sign rider on Friday afternoon before the open house that says open Sunday 1, 1 to 4 p.m. It's advertising on the Internet, getting out and previewing 10 homes um, in that neighborhood so that I know what all the competition looks like so that I can share with people what else is for sale in that particular area? I know the market well. Um, I've got statistics on the market. Um, I have an open house book that I utilize. It has a survey in it for those uh, buyers that walk in the door, asking them about what they're looking for, what they think of that particular property, and uh, if I can help them. Um, you know, My goal is to convert them from just a buyer looking around to a client. So as a new agent, Study, learn, and know your market better than anybody else. And get on the phones and start doing open houses. I understand you wrote a book. Could you tell us a little bit about your book? It was actually a book that was written called Some Assembly Required. I have a, a good friend who is a networking guru. The guy is amazing. He knows everybody in town. Um, he and I became friends at Toastmasters, uh, which I've been going to for years the speaking club and he and I became friends and uh, as my career grew uh, in the real estate industry he had written this book and uh, it was called Some Assembly Required and it was about building your network and how to really build your network and so what I did was I took it and I rewrote it for the real estate industry specifically so that I could share with people how I was able to build my network in the real estate business, how I was able to um, build that network and make it really, really strong and continue to grow it and build it, um, the things that I was doing to keep in touch with my network, um, the, thing that I was, the things that I was doing to expand my network, everything that has to do with networking and building a strong, strong network of people that will refer you business. That's what it's about. Can people buy that in the bookstore? Do they buy that direct from you? They can buy it at Amazon.com. Um, they can buy it directly from me. They can go to my website and purchase it there, which is uh, my Goldwasser Institute website. Um, it's goldwasserinstitute.com. 
You're also a speaking, teaching, and training. Tell us about that. What are you doing there? That's something that I'm extremely passionate about. I saw a speaker in um, 2004 that basically blew my mind. Uh, this guy by the name of Vince Pacente totally changed my life, taught me a system for uh, training my subconscious mind that I utilize to this day. And um, I just, after seeing him and seeing the impact he had on my life uh, and the impact he had on the lives of everyone in that audience, I decided that I really, you know, I wanted to make that kind of an impact on people. And as my business grew uh, and we got to, you know, really high levels of production, um, a lot of the agents that were in the Keller Williams um, system wanted to learn what we were doing. And so I started to speak and teach and share with uh, other agents within Keller Williams. But not only within Keller Williams, I started, you know, speaking to other agents, you know, around the city, just putting on events where we would share how to sell 100 homes in a year. And um, and people just, we had a really positive, uh, positive feedback on that. And I just grew more and more in love with it, um, more and more in love with speaking uh, and teaching and making this impact on people. Do you have anything else that you would like to talk about that I haven't addressed? I think that one of the main things that people need to take away from my success and how I was able to achieve that success is through, you know, it's it's the positive mindset and how to achieve that and how to really train your mind and, and build that really strong positive attitude that helps you even when things are, you know, not going your way so much. And the way I was able to do that was through through affirmations through my daily wake-up thought. The wake-up thought is just simply uh, the first thought that I think in the morning before I get out of bed to get myself on the right track, and then I follow that up with affirmations. Uh, I've written 20 affirmations about who I am and what I'm working to become that are very, very positive. I go through those every single morning. I stare at my goals every single morning and go through those and read through those. I think that if I can share anything with anybody that will really help them to, to lead them to the greatest amount of successes is build that positive attitude. Fill your mind with great thoughts constantly through these affirmations and, and these uh, staring at goals and reading and reading really positive material. I think that's the one thing that has given me the opportunity to get to a high level of success in the industry. Well, Chad, you have a massively positive attitude. You know how to set amazing goals and then achieve them. Your ability to bounce back from setbacks and challenges is impressive. Your optimism, character, and leadership attracts people to work alongside you as you push the envelope of our profession. You are an inspiration to all aspiring agents. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings 
where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent Interview of the Month Club, where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.